You're listening to The Awkward Apocalypse, a deconstruction podcast that examines Christian culture against the authority of Scripture. And today, we're going to be talking about Christian nationalism. This is the catchy theme song. This is the catchy theme song. Now, I don't really have an introduction prepared for this, so I'm just going to jump right into it and say that I believe that the greatest threat to Christianity in America is Christian nationalism. And what's funny about that is that's actually the literal opposite of what a Christian nationalist would say. Most people who are Christian nationalists believe that they are the hope for Christianity in America, and what they're doing is trying to actually preserve what's left, sort of like the remnants of Christianity in America. But I would argue that they are actually one of the biggest reasons that people are currently leaving the church, and they're one of the biggest reasons that people like me are going through deconstruction. Because what Christian nationalism is is exactly what it sounds like. It's the conflation of the religion of Christianity with the nation in which those Christians reside. So in our case, in in my case, I live in the United States of America. So Christian nationalism looks like the conflation of Christianity with American government. And from what I was able to find, I think it's pretty safe to say that the United States of America is the country with the largest presence of Christian nationalism. Like that seems to be a much bigger presence in America than any other country around the world, that there are more people in America who conflate their religion of Christianity with the country of the United States of America. And Christian nationalism falls on a huge spectrum. Like there are different degrees to which a person might be Christian nationalistic in their Christianity. But typically what you will find among Christian nationalists is they'll talk about electing godly leaders, passing Christian laws, advocating for religious liberty, and trying to preserve the America that was a Christian nation. A lot of Christian nationalists will sort of lament the present state of America and talk about how we're losing our values. We're losing the America that once was, and they want to go back to the more Christian version of America. They want to go back to their founding principles, to the founding fathers of America, and try to resurrect those values because they believe that is the hope for America. And so what you get from that is you get politicians who campaign on largely Christian platforms because they know that they can appeal to this very loyal audience of Christian nationalists who are willing to elect someone simply because they embody certain values that Christian nationalists hold dearly. And a lot of Christian nationalists will sort of equate politics like political engagement with ministry. So they begin to see the Christian life through the lens of politics and believe that when they preserve the values of America that closely follow the morals of Christian ethics, they're actually living into their calling and their purpose as Christians, because they they see their Christian calling on a broader scale, on sort of like a governmental scale, and believe that when they get Christian laws passed, that sort of fits into their purpose as Christians in America. And so for a lot of Christian nationalists, they sort of wrap up their Christian identity in how they vote and the views that they hold politically. So for those who don't hold the same political views as them, oftentimes they will view them as not Christian because for them, in order to be a Christian, you have to hold these certain political views because that's sort of how they see their Christian calling is in terms of politics. And look, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm not making an argument that Christians should not engage politically. As Christians in America, we actually find ourselves in a weird position because we're actually able to vote and play a role in the decisions that the government makes. And that's kind of a weird position that not too many Christians have been in throughout history. 
I mean, a lot of Christians have found themselves with a king or a dictator or something like that, and they don't really have to worry about what their political views are because that has no effect on the actual government itself. But now we actually have a voice. I mean, it's not a huge voice, but we do have a voice and we live in a democracy. So Christians do have a role and a responsibility in the government. So I'm not saying that Christians should not be engaged politically at all. The problem comes when Christians equate politics with Christian ministry. I think that's where the problem really comes from. And is it really that? destructive? I would argue yes. And Molly actually recently did a survey and one of the Facebook groups were a part of, of people who were deconstructing and just asked the question, what was it? What was the thing that pushed you into the world of deconstruction? There were 616 responses that we got, which statistically not a huge population size. I get it. That's not really representative of the whole population, but in a group of people who are deconstructing, I think that's at least worth thinking about and acknowledging. And of these 616 responses that we got, 19% of those who responded said that the main thing that pushed them into deconstruction was Christian nationalism. And if you look at the top 45% of those who responded, they responded indicating that what pushed them into deconstruction was Christian nationalism and traditionally conservative views in the way that the church has handled them. Things like gay rights and racial injustice and things like that. And so, like I said, that statistically doesn't really hold a lot of weight, but it just affirmed for me something that I already kind of knew. And that's that Christian nationalism is really impacting a lot of people who call themselves Christians and they're leaving the church and they're leaving Christianity because of it. And I think Christian nationalists would look at that and say, good, let them go. They were never Christians in the first place, because like I said a moment ago, for Christian nationalists, you have to hold these certain political views or you're not a Christian. So I think they would look at that and say, good, they were trying to corrupt the church with all their liberal views. And it's good that they're leaving the church. We're just weeding them out. <sighs> From what I've experienced, the reason these people are leaving the church is not because the church refuses to hold the same political views. I think for these people, they don't believe that politics defines the life of the Christian. I think that's what's doing damage. I think what's doing damage is Christians holding politics as the purpose of the Christian life and then engaging in politics in a way that is not very loving. And then a lot of these people look at that and they say, I can't reconcile how these people are behaving with the way that Christ told us to act in the world. It doesn't make sense to me. And so that sort of sends them on this deconstruction journey. And I do believe that the core tenets of Christian nationalism, the belief that America is a Christian country and our goal in this life is to preserve the Christian heritage that we have in America. I think that does a ton of damage because what Christian nationalism does is it looks at the country of America and assumes that the role of Christians is to kind of fix America, to get it back on track and to reinstate the Christian values on which it was founded. And look, I have a ton of problems with that belief anyways. Like, I think that's a really flawed perspective on what America even is and what it was initially about. I mean, I don't really understand when America was this great Christian utopia. I mean, it was founded on Puritans who came to the country in order to establish their own Christian nation and then believed that the land on which they were settling was ordained by God, set aside for them. And so they found justification in committing genocide against the Native Americans, infecting them with smallpox and forcing them out of their, their land that was rightfully there. I mean, that's a terrible foundation for a country. And then revolting against the government because they tax them too much. I mean, never mind submitting to the governing authority. We're going to revolt against it and start our own nation. And that's supposed to be somehow inherently Christian. And then we fuel the economy of America with slave labor. I mean, I just don't, I don't understand when America was this great Christian nation. I don't understand the, the Christian values on which America was founded. The only Christian principle that really stands out to me in the founding of America 
is the belief that men are inherently evil and their power must be limited. But besides that, I don't see like inherently Christian values driving the nation of America. I just think that's a myth that a lot of people just kind of believe but don't really question. And what's so ironic to me about all of this is Christian nationalists look at themselves as the solution to saving America, to saving Christianity. And in a lot of ways, they're the problem. And these Christian nationalists look at the nation of America and they say things like things are getting worse every day. You know, we're, we're this nation's going to hell and it, it, like it's their job to fix it. And it's their job to engage politically, to get the right people in office and to get the right laws passed so that we can finally go back to being this Christian utopia that we once were. And there are really three things I would say to that. Like, I think three core problems with Christian nationalism. And the first one is simply morality is not legislated. Like biblically, I see no evidence to believe that a Christian's primary purpose in life is to get the right people in office so that they enact Christian laws. Like if you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, he was never really in favor of forcing people to follow Christianity who were not Christians. That literally makes no sense. From a Christian perspective, that makes no sense. If someone is not a Christian, you should not expect them to adhere to Christian values. Do I believe that Christian values lead to a flourishing society? Yes. Do I think that if I were in office, I would want to use the Christian values that I have to influence the way that I govern society? Absolutely. But do I think it is a Christian's job to ensure that everyone is following biblical principles? No. Christianity is a religion of the heart. That's why Romans 10, 9 says, you must believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It's not about believing in your mind, and it's not about forcing other people to believe. Christianity is not a religion that we should be forcing down other people's throats. Religion has no business in the throat. It belongs in the heart, and it will never get into the heart if Christians are not loving. Just because laws are passed that represent biblical principles does not mean the society is more Christian. Just imagine for a moment if you lived in a Muslim country and they were forcing you to follow Muslim laws. Imagine you were there during Ramadan and you weren't eating or drinking during the day. Are you a Muslim now? Like, does that make you want to be a Muslim? I mean, is a Christian's responsibility really to get people to follow biblical principles who have no desire to follow them? To me, I just don't see any evidence in scripture that that's how we're supposed to engage people in the world. But to believe that legislating morality is part of the Christian ethic is, in my opinion, very misguided. A second thing I'll say about this is Christians are not referees. Our job as Christians is not to go around telling people all the things they're doing wrong and trying to correct their behavior. The Pharisees did that. Being a Christian is not about modifying your behavior in order to conform to biblical ethics. That's legalism. That's not Christianity. And so if we look at America and we see people disobeying the law of God, our first response should not be, we must correct that. Our first response should be, how can we show them the beauty of the law of God so that they want to follow God and love him and honor him? How can we be examples in the world of the love that we've been shown and the hope that we have so that others might want to join us? If we're going around correcting everyone in their behavior, no one's going to want to be a Christian. That doesn't really help a Christian's witness in the world. If we're just these grumpy referees telling everyone the things that they're doing wrong and trying to correct their behavior, then we've become the Pharisees. And like I said at the beginning, that's the reason why a lot of Christians are deconstructing, because people like this are pushing them out of the church. And the third thing I'll point out about Christian nationalism is Jesus really did not concern himself much with politics. In the life of Jesus, he just didn't really focus on the government around him. And yes, you could make a case that Jesus did not live in a democracy, therefore he really didn't have a voice in the government, so he kind of brought his movement outside of the government. I guess you could make a case that way, but I, I think I would point out that Jesus really didn't even seem concerned with the government of his day. 
And yes, during Jesus's time, there was abortion, there was homosexuality, there was all the same things that Christian nationalists are so concerned about today. Those were present in Jesus's time, but Jesus never talked about getting people in office or engaging politically or trying to change the laws or trying to change the regime. Really, the mistake that a lot of people of Jesus's day made is thinking that Jesus was going to come in as a political figure who was going to make things right politically. That was a big mistake that they made. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of Christian nationalists make today. I think a lot of Christian nationalists believe that if Jesus came to earth today, he would set everything straight and he would engage politically. He would be a big leader in the government. And I don't know, I'm just speculating here, but I I don't think it's too far of a stretch to imagine that a lot of Christian nationalists would see Jesus as a political figure if he came here today. And I'm sure a lot of them would want him to run for office. But Christianity is not a political religion. Jesus is not of this world and his followers are not of this world. And so for Christian nationalism to place so much value in this world, in the politics of this country, I think that really deviates from what Christianity is all about. See, what a lot of Christian nationalists do is they take the religion of Christianity, which started in the underground, started as a movement among followers outside of the government who spread the religion through their devotion and through their love for Jesus Christ. And they turn that religion into a political religion that legislates morality, owns territory, and has immense power and control. And I think a lot of that goes back to Constantine, which I'm going to do a whole episode on Constantine and just kind of the effect that that's had on our mentality as Christians and how that kind of changed what Christianity looked like. I don't really have time today to talk about that, but I'll just say in passing that Constantine turned Christianity into a political religion, and I'm not sure we've ever recovered since. And I think this conflation of American identity and Christian identity is really dangerous because it's affirmed by so much of the Christian culture. Because see, a lot of Christian nationalists will advocate for religious liberty. That is a central tenet of Christian nationalism is religious liberty. But what I find really strange about that is a lot of times they don't mean religious liberty. They mean Christian religious liberty. Because whenever people try to level the playing field religiously, Christian nationalists will freak out. So for example, if you say we can't accommodate all religions in school, so we're not going to allow any religion in school. So we're not going to be praying together because that sort of adds emphasis to Christianity without the other religions being included. So we feel that's not really fair to them. Christian nationalists will lose their mind and say they're trying to get God out of school. We're losing our grip on this Christian nation because they're no longer allowing us to integrate our Christian values into the educational system. They're taking in God we trust off the currency. They're taking God out of the Pledge of Allegiance or something like that. Christians tend to view that as persecution because they believe that their Christian identity is wrapped up in American politics. And so the second you begin to remove God from the American society, from the political realm, Christian nationalists will lose their mind because they see that as a threat to the country that was once theirs, and now they no longer own it. It's ultimately a threat to the power that they have to control society and make it their version of Christianity. And in the same way, if you tell Christians that they're going to pray the Lord's prayer at the football game, but just to be fair to all the religions, since after all, we believe in religious liberty, we're going to allow a Muslim man to pray his prayer as well. They'll lose their minds. I mean, really what they mean is they want religious liberty for Christians, but they don't really want religious liberty for other religions because they see that as a threat to their Christian nation. So really when they talk about religious liberty, they mean Christian religious liberty because this is a Christian nation. Recently, I went to get a new license plate, and in North Carolina here, they have three options for license plates, first in flight, first in freedom, or in God we trust. And the lady gave me an option. She said, which license plate would you prefer? 
And I did not choose in God we trust. And I did that on purpose. And I could kind of feel some judgment in the room, like people looking at me, assuming I was an atheist or something like that. And the reason I did not choose that plate is because to me, America does not trust in God. And so for me to place that on my car seems a bit disingenuous or delusional because that we is what I have an issue with. If it said in God, I trust, sure, I'll put that on my car. But to say in God, we trust to me seems like a lie because I don't believe that my state and I don't believe that my country trusts in God. And I don't think that it has to for me to belong to it because I I do like America. It's not that I don't like America. I just don't believe that it has to be a Christian nation. And I'm not sure it ever actually was. And I don't think that as a Christian, we have to make our nation Christian. I just don't think the religion of Christianity dictates that. The focus of Christian ethics is more on the individual and the ways that they interact with their neighbors, not the way that they engage politically. And I think that Christian nationalistic identity is far too exclusive. I think that the politics that are advocated by Christian nationalists are not, in a lot of cases, even Christian. I mean, there are a lot of issues that Christian nationalists, for the most part, hold that I don't think you can find anywhere in scripture. Things like not believing in global warming, border security, gun rights, capitalism, and just the belief that America should come first. I don't think those are inherently Christian values. And I think that you can be a devoted follower of Jesus and not necessarily agree with those positions. And I guess for me, my heart just hurts because I see so many Christian nationalists doing such damage to the church through these beliefs, and it's not necessary. They're dying on hills they don't have to die on, and they're fighting battles they don't have to fight, and they're labeling the enemy the people they're supposed to be loving. And so when I look at Christianity in America, I see Christian nationalism doing so much damage to the followers of Jesus, and a lot of people are leaving the church, and they're not coming back, and I don't blame them. Because Christian nationalists are doing a lot of damage, and I'm just so fed up with it, and I'm so sick of it. Because the mistake the people of Jesus' time made is that they wanted to take Jesus and turn him into a political figure. They wanted him to be an earthly king and solve all their political problems. They wanted him to set them free, to liberate them, and to reinstate them into a position of power so that they could control society and that they could force society to adhere to their laws and their principles. But Jesus spoke of an ethic that turned their self-righteousness back on themselves and revealed to them their own hypocrisy. And he emphasized an ethic that focused on their individual relationships, just the love that they had for their neighbors. He taught of salvation for the poor, for the outcast, for the oppressed. He concerned himself more with the hearts of his followers than he did political matters of his day. He loved sinners in a way that led them to repentance. And he ushered in a kingdom that was spiritual, was not of this world, and had no national boundaries. If you'd like to support me, just reach out and let me know you're listening. That's it. If you're watching this on YouTube, consider liking this video and subscribing to my channel. I hate saying that. I really hate saying that because everybody says that, but it's true. It helps. If you're listening on a podcast streaming app, just consider leaving me a review. If you'd like to learn more about the work that we do in Liberia, just visit standingsidebyside.org. Or if you'd like to make a donation, just Venmo at standing side by side. That's one word. Thank you so much for listening. Keep the faith.